You're not going to put me in chains and make me get out of a straitjacket underwater, are you? Oh, fuck. The podcast which you are about to listen to is an account by fans, for fans, and about fans. In particular, the woe that befell host Sam Carlson as she tried to eat chili while watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the messiest shows in the annals, annals of eternally bored productions, the Sheebie-Jeebies Porcelain Genocide. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sheebie-Jeebies. And I'm sorry, I'm going to be very punchy today because I'm full of coffee and I just got off work. So we're running on like pure adrenaline after leaving it all on your desk. But uh, as you couldn't guess, uh, we are talking about uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And as far as the chili goes, I was actually vegetarian chili. So I don't know. There's something wrong with me if I lost my lunch over that. I can still kind of make it through the thing on jambalaya or gumbo. But nah, I don't know. This was weird. But uh, we have a really fun guest today. His name is George Ortiz. Hi, George. How you doing, ma'am? You don't have to call me ma'am. Please don't. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> and actually, you're going to be talking about Texas Chainsaw with me, and that's great because I've never really been into the series. So, like, how did you get into it? Um, <clears throat> actually, uh, like I was telling my friend Sergio here when we were coming over, it's all it all started in New York. I'm from New York. Um, that's okay. We won't, you know, hold hold that against you. Okay. We won't get a rope. <laughs> so. Um, oh wait, we have a rope. Yes, we do. Oh, it's I'm in, sorry. Right in the There's middle. a deuce in our stage, guys. <laughs> I apologize for interrupting. No, it's okay. Um, so I was, uh, you know, the movie came out in 1974, but uh, I actually saw it when I was eight years old. Mm. So, um, and I saw it in New York. Like I was telling Sergio back in the day um, in New York, there was no, none of this of, uh, of, of you know age you know so you just i just went to my dad with my dad to see the, the movie you know and um i was in total shock and uh i remember i saw it in 42nd street and um it just from that day it just opened my eyes to love horror and uh while everybody was screaming at the theater i remember i was amazed by this guy with a chainsaw and thinking that because the way they portrayed the movie that it was it really happened in Texas when we all know it never happened in Texas. You know, it's, it's, it's based on the true story, but it did not really happen here in Texas, you know, but that was something amazed by, by, you know, the director and the way he did it and all that. So, uh, that just caught my attention and from that day you know it's it was it was amazing you know so is that what got you into horror movies in general too exactly yeah i think that was the first movie that i ever saw and then uh from that i went to other movies you know and um and then i guess i never stopped you know it was the passion the love for it so what was it about horror in general that like really got you like uh brought you to it because like texas chainsaw for sure is just it's visually just uh, startling. It's like a horror Kubrick. That's how I feel. Um, and Toby Hooper, oh man, I miss that guy so much. He did. He made such gorgeous movies. But like, uh, was it the visuals or was it the story itself or maybe underlying themes? 
I know, eight years old, maybe it's a little much to take in. Maybe, now that I see it, now, I mean, that time, I, I, I didn't look at none of that stuff. I just saw this guy with a mask and with a chainsaw running this girl, you know. But now that I go back and see the movie, it's just amazed me how, you know, this was done in 1974. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty awesome movie. And, um, and I got the, the chance to meet the cast because I got them in my show. So I went ahead and, you know, asked them a lot of questions about the film. Um, so it, it was pretty cool um, to have them, to see them in person and letting them know, hey, I saw this movie when I was just eight years old, you know. But, um, yeah, the, the movie, I mean, it's just amazing how they did the movie and and and, uh, and where it was done. And, and I think it was more likely like the, the storyline and, and how it all happened. And so... And then the most they were in focusing was and the and the commercials were like, oh, based on a true story, based on a true story. So that was like, you know, when like you're like me, you know, I'm from New York. Yeah. Uh, who wants to come stuff. to Texas? Yeah, you know, oh, my God. Like that every day up there. But exactly. It's like 10 times worse down here because we have all the guns. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, as far as your show goes, you know, let everybody know at home, like uh, you want to talk about Horrific Film Fest a little bit. Is that how you met them? Sure. Um, I, I started the Horrific Film Fest in 2007 because I, I, I'm also an independent filmmaker. I did a movie called The House of the Demon, which I filmed in Lytle, Texas. And Sergio uh, Guerra was um, was my special effect guy. And, um, and then after that, I took to the circuit uh, my film. Um, I decided to do a, a horror film festival here in San Antonio. We didn't have one in that time frame. Yes, there were some other festivals here, but focusing more on Latin and not into horror. So I decided to do this horror festival. And we've been doing it since 2007. It's just my number 11 year. And uh, I had the chance to have uh, the cast from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I believe it was in 2015. And sad to say that after that, you know, Marilyn Burns, mm -hmm. she passed away, you know. Yeah, we have a ton of dead people from that movie. Like, Cooper passed away in 2014. I know Gunnar Hansen's dead. I think he passed the same year Marilyn Burns did. So, I mean, as far as, like, I mean, I think maybe the Poltergeist series has, you know, a worse reputation for, for cast us, but also another Toby Hooper movie. But how much he directed and how much Spielberg was doing, it's kind of on the fence. Uh, so who did you get to meet? Marilyn Burns? And I, I got to meet Marilyn Burns. I got to meet um, Terry McMahon. Uh, also, um, I got to meet Ed Neal. Um, I think the only one that I haven't met at my show was actually Gunnar Hansen. Oh, man. That's sad. I'm sorry that you missed out on I that. Missed, I really missed out on that one. Yes, I sure he did. Yeah. But uh, they were amazing, and um, they we, they talked about the film at the at the horrific film fest, and um, people were like asking questions and stuff, and the whole cast, beautiful people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I heard I heard Toby Hooper put him through hell, you know, making that movie. But that's how all the great classics are. You know? Exactly. Like, dude, Jaws filmed for what six months or something. And don't change the classics. Yeah. The yeah, classics yeah. are classics. Uh, They're yeah. the best. You we, know. Yeah, we've remade Texas Chainsaws. Like, I don't even keep track. I saw the 2003 remake before I saw the original because uh, maybe, you know, 
not a good horror fan sometimes it's uh i believe um well you know they done like three they mm -hmm. back in the day they did three of them you know but uh i strongly stay with number one you know um, yeah uh i think i saw before that i think maybe the first one i ever saw was next generation and that was only because for some reason it was like a big deal about you know, Renee Zellweger, Matthew McConaughey being in this shitty little movie that, you know, was pretty much put away and nobody saw until they became big stars. And then it's like, oh, got to pimp that out for that home video release. And uh, yeah, I mean, the 2003 one, the Platinum Dunes one, it was very pretty, but it was also pretty much... Oh, I, I feel like it was just like the original, but the original is so gritty and it has that it feels so much closer to reality, which is... The, the scariest part, you know? Exactly, Because like, exactly. you try to keep things, you know, if you enjoy horror f films, a lot of people, it's like you try to keep keep it at arm's length so you have some control over it. But when the ones that are shot so realistically, yeah, it's a little too much sometimes. And this one, it was like, I was kind of really tensed up through the whole viewing. And just especially, I mean, the torture scene is, is awkward enough, but uh, just the whole thing, because you kind of know what's coming. Yes. Uh, so anyway, if anybody hasn't seen this movie, again, Texas Chainsaw, 1974, other things Toby Hooper did besides this, and Poltergeist, as we mentioned, he did the pilot episode for Freddy's Nightmares, guys, which is the Nightmare on Elm Street TV show that probably no one remembers. It was, I think, maybe on El Ray or Spike or one of those dude bro channels like a few years ago for Valentine's Day and that was like the best Valentine's Day I ever had because I had not been able to see all those growing up because uh, like, I was like four years old when that came out so <laughs> you know maybe I think I, th I don't think my parents really wanted me watching that all the time yeah that's true because I didn't even get to see a Nightmare on Elm Street movie till I was like seven it seems cruel so basically, we've got this group of five kids. There's Sally, who is played by Marilyn Burns, who's great. She's a fun final girl. And then uh, her paraplegic brother, Franklin. And I have to ask, do you remember how he became a paraplegic? Because I don't. You know, you got me on that. I don't know how he became. I have no mm. idea. Nope. I was just curious. And I think, you know, disability in horror film is like a kind of a fun trope to play with. And it happens more often than you think. I mean, there was the guy in the wheelchair from Friday the 13th Part 3 where he got the arrow, uh, he got an arrow shot in his eye and then falls down the stairs. It's still one of the best deaths you've ever seen. And then a couple of other ones, like there's a kid in a wheelchair from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Like, I don't know, kids in wheelchairs were big in the 80s because, you know, it was like diversity and handicapable. Uh, sorry, I'm an asshole. <laughs> no, but I mean, um, so... Have you seen a lot of horror movies or have you, can you recollect any horror movies that have some kind of a disability, like somebody has a hearing aid or something similar? You know, I, now that you talk like about it, um, not really, but I do notice back in the day was a lot of shower scenes, you know, that was, that was it for a horror movie. It was very close to, uh, you know, one of those X rated movies. So, uh, you see that famous shower scene uh, going in almost all these movies or, uh, you know. True. I mean, we've got to get them titties in. Yeah. That's what so, sells movie tickets, right? Exactly. Not plots, not monsters, just them titties. Exactly. That's what sells, you know. 
Yeah, and I'm actually glad that there aren't any titties in this movie because you don't really need it. It's just you know I don't I don't need to see the girl naked on the meat hook. Just you can leave her on the meat hook. That's enough. There's not even a lot of blood in this movie, but it was just a, the I guess like the the terror and also the lots of implied violence and letting the audience kind of use their imagination. Kind of you know. The ratings board was like, no, we can't give you a PG rating. And this was before we had anything like PG-13. So obviously I had to get like a, it initially got an X rating before they did the editing, the uncut one. And then I think after editing, it was down to an R. But I mean, of course there's people getting killed with chainsaws. So anyway, besides that and my little rant onto disabilities, um, We've also got Jerry, who is, what's her face? Sally's boyfriend, and then Kirk and Pam, who they're, you know, the dead meat couple, you can tell. And they're all going to Sally and Franklin's cemetery that are that their grandfather was buried in because apparently there's been a lot of vandalisms. And one thing that I thought was cool during the beginning of the movie is that you're actually hearing like newscasts that are that's kind of scoring uh, scoring that plot talking about that in the area. And um, I know that's one of the things that uh, inspired Toby Hooper was just San Antonio newscasts were like really into just violent news stories and would hype them up, which is true. We do. I mean, I've heard some bad ones, like that woman that put the baby in the microwave. Jesus Christ. Hmm. So, and I think, uh, do you, uh, was there a scene at the beginning where you're kind of seeing, uh, like it's almost an arts and crafts thing, with some of the corpses? The beginning. Yeah. It's a very artsy beginning. I don't remember. No, really don't not remember. Just the scene that they were in that van, and, and there's this... This guy hitchhiking, mm. you know. Which, oh my god! Which it was kind of weird in the middle of nowhere, you know. And he has blood on his face, and, and they still and pick him up. Exactly, and that's what—that's the only. I think for me, that was the art right there. Something is wrong with this guy. Maybe not. Maybe don't <laughs> do that. I mean, it's just like I mean, you could still hitchhike in the seventies. My mom used to do it all the time because she was homeless for a good portion of the seventies. <laughs> but uh, so. You could still hitchhike in the 70s, but you still had a 50-50 chance of it turning into a porno or it turning into a horror movie, and I'm not going to flip that coin. Exactly. And if you have blood on your face, it's probably not the porno. This guy's insane, though. I mean, it's like first he's cutting himself, and then he cuts Franklin, poor kid in the wheelchair. I was like, dude, at least cut his leg so he can't feel it. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, hey, it's like, it well, kind of, like, we had, um... Curse of Chucky and the protagonist in that, she's in a wheelchair and I think Chucky stabs her in the leg, which is like nothing. <laughs> That's a pretty good vulnerability to have. Hmm. So after the hitchhiker, what are we doing? Where do they go? They go to the cemetery. And the good news is that their grandfather's grave is intact. The bad news is that they're out of gas and they have to basically hang out. You know, until the gas station gets some more fuel in. So they go to their old homestead. And I was confused about this. So I think I remember Sally talking about how she used to stay there when she was a little kid. But that house doesn't look too far from Leatherface's. Is that, do they seem in close proximity to you? Or was that maybe, like, miscalculation on my part? Uh, I think it was, like, close by. I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think so. I mean that I've, I'm trying to remember. I saw this movie years ago, but um, 
But I, I think it was very close by, I think. Yeah, and that's <laughs> kind of blew my mind because I'm like, how long have the Sawyers been living there? Did y'all never notice all those redneck cannibals that were like your neighbors? Nobody heard any screaming? And, I mean, maybe they're just, maybe that's like the country's version of gentrification. You get redneck cannibals. I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, their house is, a, like, their house is crazy, though. Because, okay, so that part where Pam is, like, looking, I think, uh, just, like, looking for Kirk, and she falls into the main living room area of the Sawyer house, and it's just, like, littered with animal parts and there's all these like uh bones and things put together like craft projects you guys that is basically every crafter's crafting room only ours has bags of uh junk from michael's and joanne's hancock fabrics whatever you got <laughs> hobby lobby uh no but i don't shop there but yeah dude that that's a that is a crafter's room those are all those unfinished projects we start I would kind of do that though. It looks kind of fun, <laughs> especially like the because um, there was an interesting chair that Sally's tied to during the torture scene, and the arms of the chair are actually arms. <laughs> that is amazing. It kind of reminds me of the old Texan uh, buckhorn chairs. Uh, they still have them all over the place, like um, Wenzel Friedrich's old old stuff. Beautiful, but made out of the actual horns around uh, the back of the chair and the arms themselves. Uh, the seats were covered, uh, upholstered with uh, the hides. So I was like, that's not too far. <laughs> that's not too far off from reality. Yeah. And you know something, the gas station, you know, the gas station is still there. You know that, right? Is I it? Mean, it's still there. It's just that somebody bought the gas station. And uh, last thing I heard was it's converted now into um, they doing a cult classic convention there. Really? As a matter of fact, it's a here. It's now in September. And. And this guy bought the, the the gas station, and it's converted into that. That's amazing. So, um, That's pretty. Neat. I know it's a barbecue place now. Barbecue. Oh, I'd eat there. I would totally eat there. It's a barbecue place. Yeah, because I mean, there's that scene where I think she runs back to the where Sally runs back to the gas station to get help, and I believe that's when she gets abducted. And hanging in the back, it looks like you know, it kind of just looked like sausage. I was kind of getting hungry, um, <laughs> but I don't know if that was like human parts or not. Human. But that seems appropriate. That that place should definitely be a barbecue house now. Yes. I bet it's delicious. Texas has the best barbecue. Sorry, Kansas City. And the house is a restaurant. Really? You know that. Yeah, the house is a restaurant. And the uh, last thing I, I found out was it was moved from uh, where mm. it was at. Mm -hmm. It's in Kingsland and now, Kings I think. Yes. Yeah. So they moved the whole entire house. Have you been to either? No, I have not been. Oh, I'm so curious. really want to go. So. Right? Field trips? Yes. Yes, definitely. Oh, man. That would be fun. That would be good, a fun trip. Yes. Yeah. Um, so as far as, like, uh, one of the things I did definitely want to get into, I've kind of heard that this movie is, like, pro-animal rights almost because they're killing people, I guess. I don't kind of, I'm not really sure where I get that or, I mean, where it's, where that's, uh, where that's picked up from. Like, it's like kind of a pro-vegetarian movie. As the Sawyers, they were kind of pushed out of their positions at the slaughterhouse for using, like, the old method of hitting the animals over the head with a hammer to kill them. And then I guess the new method is to use that fancy um, gun that just, like, and you're done. Uh, so I don't understand how this can be pro-animal rights at all. They're still eating people and animals. 
I mean, in Texas, like if eating people wasn't illegal, we'd be doing that too. If it's meat, we're going to cook it. We're going to barbecue it. Okay. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) We are a lawless land now. Um, But anyway. So uh, as far as like some of the scenes with like uh, the graphic, like I wouldn't say graphic violence. Uh, Grizzly is a better word. Grizzly, as far as the meat hook goes, and then Pam being put in the freezer, it's all very much like treating humans like, you know, like they are just animals. Is there anything about that that kind of like gets under your skin? Is that weird or is that it, any kind it of... It was thing? very weird because when you have a, one of those freezers, I remember when they put her in there, mm-hmm. well, what you use that freezer for is for meat, you know? So then close the freezer and then when they open it she just jumps out and like screaming and you know so it's kind of like what the heck you know oh yeah that's right when uh, what's his face who is uh, I think it was Jerry was it Jer- I think Sally's boyfriend was looking for her and Kirk yeah, yeah it comes across her and then uh, she screams and she does like raise out of the coffin and then here comes Leatherface and <laughs> takes out Jerry and then just slams the coffin I mean freezer what I found really funny about that scene was like there was this interesting little hint of personality to Leatherface because, you know, our more silent killers, it's hard to tell. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of like doing like a little bit of uh, I Love Lucy. Like uh, you could kind of see the way he's like moving around the house because he's trying to make sure that Jerry doesn't that, you know, to kill Jerry and make sure that Pam doesn't escape out of the freezer and kind of like looking around nervously waiting for Ricky to get home. <laughs> I think that point's driven home later on when you see him in the wig. And <laughs> I guess the closest thing he does to talking is just going, me, 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 like Beaker from the Muppets. It's kind of cute. It's kind of adorable. Like, I can see why people own, like, plush leather faces. Yeah, he, he kind of, like, had, a like, a squig, right? Like, a little, he kind of like had, like, a little sound. Yeah, he just kind of squeaks, you know? Kind of like the... I remember I had a toy that drove my parents insane. It was this thing. It was this little, I think it was a cat that you would squeeze it and it would squeak. And I used to do that over and over and over. And I'm just picturing a little other face doing that too. That's more like a dog toy. I wonder if they gave me a dog toy. Ugh. I have to question my entire raise my entire raising now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we get off ta- we get off on tangents here a lot. Uh, so Basically, everybody's dead except Sally. We have captured her, though. And then we take her back to the house. And that's the most one of the most uncomfortable scenes. But it's beautifully shot. Oh, yes. Yeah, the dinner scene. It was. I think the most impact part of the movie, I don't know if you agree with me, is when actually there's this metal door. Oh, I love that. And it just opens and this guy comes out, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, something's going to happen. And I think that was the biggest scene when I saw that. I was like amazed. Everybody got scared in the theater. I I always remember that part. Oh, yeah. That was crazy, especially and when he drags her back in and just shuts it. And shuts the door real. Yes, I think that was that was a great scene. Yeah, but of all the things that you could have seen coming, you know, you're expecting like this this poor chick wandering around this house. You know, she's gonna die. You don't know how, and then all of a sudden, this thing comes out with a crazy yellow apron and a mask made of human skin. Ugh. What other scenes did you like? I think that, of course, Terry McMahon's scene with the hook. You know, Ooh. where are you gonna 
think that this guy is going to grab this chick and just hang her like a piece of meat. Ugh. You know, I think that was incredible. You know, and you can see her screaming and people in the theater are just they don't want to see the scene. They're looking down and and, you know, you just I was just laughing and looking at it. I was just wow. I was amazed by it. You know, I was like, how they did that? I mean, mm-hmm. that's for real. Um, that hurts, you know, <laughs> you that's know, but, that's right where you can't scratch and scratch an itch too. you're not getting off. But uh, I guess maybe I can kind of see where people are coming from with uh, maybe a pro-animal rights message, because this is essentially what we do to animals and maybe, you know, the the pra- the farm, the farming and, and uh, yeah, the cows, the and slaughtering the they, methods. Yeah, yes. Maybe we should. Yeah, we shouldn't do that to people, obviously, but you're supposed to eat animals. Uh, oh, I'm going to get a lot of angry vegetarians and vegans now. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the meat hook scene was great. Uh, you know, I thought Jerry's scene getting hacked by that chainsaw, that actually was like, ah, that caught me off guard. I didn't expect that. I thought it was going to take a little while for them to kind of come across Leatherface when him and Sally are out in the forest. And then all of a sudden it's just like, he just jumps out and he's just got that chainsaw and he just goes to town without thinking about it. Uh... Do you think that the gra- okay? So we have the grandfather of the the Sawyer family when during that dinner scene, right? The one that's in the in the chair. Yeah, yeah, the Duggan, old guy. The old guy. Yeah, Duggan. yeah, yeah. And you know he was upstairs, and there was also a woman up there too who was equally desiccated. Do you think she also might have been alive, but just barely, or do you think she's just like a total corpse? You know what? Here. Not well. Now that you talked talked about it, you know, I did thought that she was a, like a corp. But the scene with the old man, I thought that he was he was dead. That he was mm-hmm. not even alive, but he was alive. But yeah, t- but it's he was just didn't move or nothing. So in that time frame, I was like, man, they got a dead body in that chair, you know. Ugh. And there's one dead body upstairs. You know, but when the guy started to move his mouth, I was mm. like, okay, you know. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Uh, that's a good scene. Yeah, and then uh, they cut, Mar- or not Marilyn, <laughs> well, technically Marilyn, when they cut Sally's finger, and then he's, the old the old patriarch starts, like, sucking her blood. I was just, like, grimacing. Like, I don't grimace very much, but I'm like, mmm. <laughs> Uh, and I caught a look of my look like a reflection of myself in my phone while I was doing. It. I was like, "Oh, that's what I look like." All right, but um, it was very uncomfortable watching him drink her blood from her finger because that's kind of like the closest thing we would get to some kind of like uh, non consensual sex scene, if that makes sense, in this movie. You know, in The Hills Have Eyes, that would be like your typical rape scene. Get raped by a mutant, whatever. But this one is like, it's actually just kind of creepier. Because it's like, it's in, it's it's very uh, invasive of your bodily autonomy, but it's still just your finger. But maybe it's also because you know you're going to die soon. <laughs> also, I was kind of like, you know, when he's kind of first uh, sipping on the blood, he's kind of like really happy about it because you see him move a little bit more. But it kind of reminds me of the guy from the Six Flags commercials, the old guy that dances. Oh, the dancer I'm just from waiting the for the Vega Boys to come in. If somebody can make that, I would love you forever. Oh, man. Yeah, but, you know. But that tells you right there in that scene that probably for you to think that, okay, well, this old man, because you didn't see no teeth on him, so 
he's probably was only fed all the time by blood and that's how he got excited Ooh. when they were feeding blood blood you know yeah they really so are a bunch that, of Draculas puts you to think you know that when you saw the movie you were like oh okay well he can't eat regular meat so he, I guess he's the one that they give him the blood you know Ooh, so gross and um, then, like, uh, Sally just is having that freak out at the table, which felt so long. And there are so many shots, like, right up close in her eye. And that was probably the point where my tension was at its highest because you've got them, you've got Leatherface and then the hitchhiker guy yelling at her, you know, and, you know, taunting her because yeah. they're going to kill her. And these guys are really, like, they're kind of bad at their jobs. Or, you know, I wonder, like, a lot of people must have gotten away in all this time it couldn't have just been sally because it's like they're holding her or rather the hitchhikers holding her over the tub and then the old man is supposed to get to do the get to do the the honors how is he going to be lifting that hammer you guys it's i mean he does get off a few whacks but i think leather's <laughs> helping him like i feel like leather's holding his hand holding the old man's hand with the hammer you know just to give the old guy the the the, the feeling that he's actually killing this broad and i didn't realize like how like how bad those wounds on her head probably were until she's running away like and she's running because she's not especially bloody through most of this movie, but she's running and escaping from uh, leather and what's his face, a hitchhiker. And she's just progress. It's just like progressively coming down. And I read somewhere that she was covered in so much blood by the end of filming. It was like her costume was stiff, which, yeah, I believe that. But I want like those must have been really bad head wounds. And yeah. but true, yeah. true. What do you think about um, the ending in particular? The ending, when the truck driver picks her up and you see Leatherface, you know, just doing his thing with the chainsaw, which a lot of people do that nowadays when they cosplay. Mm -hmm. It cracks me up because every time I go to one of these conventions, you see somebody portraying Leatherface and they're all trying to do that same scene. At the end, with one hand, chainsaw, going all around the street, you know. Um, but you think that, okay, well, part two is coming soon, and that's what I thought. And, mm -hmm. and you know, this guy's still alive, and, and you know, you're just like, okay, when is going to be the next one? And Do you think it's a symbol, like it's a way to symbolize anything, or maybe a way for Leatherface to communicate his rage, or maybe it's just like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> You know, because it's sort of like, it's almost, it's kind of mellifluous. I think he was just got pissed off because she went, she, she, she got away, you know. So he was like very pissed off at it, you know. So when she got away, you know, all bloody in that, in that truck. And I think it was, she was picked up in the, in the pickup truck. Yeah. It was in the pickup truck. It was not in the, the 18-wheeler did not pick them, picked her up, right? No, it was not the 18-wheeler. It was actually the pickup truck that picked her up. Yeah, I just like ran that guy over, the 18-wheeler, uh, ran over the hitchhiker, which, good job. That's a great idea. But then she gets in the cab of the 18-wheeler. Why not just keep driving? I'm like, this 18-wheeler, this <laughs> truck driver's a good Samaritan because he just ran somebody over. <laughs> He's not going to drive away immediately, even though there's a guy with a chainsaw trying to kill you. And then, um, but yeah, there was like just that random pickup truck luckily came by and she's just like, she's just, man, I didn't think she was going to make it to the back of that truck, but I, I mean, I've seen clips. I know better, but still. Yeah. 
because it's a movie. So, you know, you know, he's going to stop. But if it would have been for real life and that person would have been bloody like that. I don't think so. I don't think somebody would have stopped. But, you know, especially if somebody's coming behind with a mask and a chainsaw. Uh, I don't think so. I think they would have just go around her and uh, 911, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> something God. is going on. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that's sort of like, that's one of those situations where it's like, you know what? This is not a situation. This is not, you know, my I'm not needed here. You know, I'll just cause trouble if I interfere with these two. They could be having a lover's fad, who knows. Uh, but she looks so happy escaping in the back of that truck. It's like... The, the joy that comes into her face. It's the same kind of joy that Roy Schreider gets at the end of Jaws when he blows up that fucking shark. Ah, just unbridled joy. <laughs> so that is kind of the end of this masterpiece of a movie. Uh, then we had a bunch of sequels. I think, okay. Did you see any of the later ones like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D? Which uh. was not a third movie. <laughs> No, it wasn't. I did not see that one, but I did see, I did see part two and I did see part three. And uh, I'm just going to leave you like this. Uh, nothing better than the first part. Oh, well, yeah. It's just part two. It just got a little bit of cheesy and uh, part three. Oh, Lord. So, well, I wanted to bring something up as far as like. Should Leatherface be like a sympathetic hero? Because over the years, we've kind of seen Jason come to that, at least in Freddy versus Jason. And, you know, the silent killers, it's easier to do. We haven't been able to really accomplish that with Michael Myers. I don't think there's, you know, I think we know that there's just, you know, there's that blank slate. and You can project whatever you want onto it. And uh, no real emotion coming through from that mask. Which is a good, you know, I, you know, good thing to think about when we're talking about the void of, of the human being. But that's for another day. But what do you think about that? Because I think that 3D tried to make him sympathetic. And I'll explain why. But I want to hear your point of view first. When it comes to what? To the 3D? Or to the... As a character. Because we do kind of get an idea that Leatherface is a sympathetic character in the first one. You know, because he's sort of like, he's, I guess, trying to be the mom. And... Which I don't have a problem with. He, you know, you do you leather. Uh, but it seems like there's almost, you know, an emotional side. And in 3D, basically the plot is like our main gal was is related to the Sawyers but was adopted out, didn't know it, and she gets brought, you know, somehow she and her friends go back to uh, go back to find her inheritance from her real grandmother and her inheritance is fucking Leatherface. And okay, is that the one where Marilyn Burns plays the plays grand the grand the Yes. Okay, yeah, so I did so I see that yeah. movie. I did see that movie. That's the one where You blocked it out, that, didn't you? That was the one that we were talking in the car that they gave her a small little part. Yes. Um, you know, and 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 we were talking in the car cuz uh, sad to say, you know, after Marilyn Burns uh, came to my film fest, she passed away, you know. And it's very sad yeah. and you know, but um 
very humble person, very beautiful person. And uh, she was very excited. She was very excited. She was telling me, George, I'm going to be coming out again in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, So, you know, I'm going to be filming. And so what part they were going to give her, I had no idea until I saw the movie. So, you know, it was a very small part. Oh, yeah, but still. But still, you know, the, the, the nice of the director and the producer to think about Marilyn Burns and, and, you know, bring her back and, oh, yeah. and, you know, I think that was great, even though it was a small little scene, but I still didn't like the movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those that are out there that love that movie, the, the 3D one. I did not like that at all. How do you think it feels to be a Ghostbusters fan? Oh, Lord. <laughs> with, no, the, no, with the, with the new one? With yeah, we had one? all those cameos. I have, I, that's, yeah, we can't, that's, this is not, a, that's not really a horror movie. I'm sorry, we can't talk about Ghostbusters today. Yeah. But yeah, I understand, you know, it's like sometimes you just want to see those people back, you know, and it doesn't matter. Um, and just Marilyn was such a great, she just did such an amazing job as Sally. And all I could think of during the torture scene was like, she has such pretty eyes. That's kind of, maybe that's not what I should have been thinking, but you know, it's kind of like, oh, this is horrible, but her eyes are gorgeous. She has those big green eyes. Ah, what a beauty. I'm ashamed. It's a shame that we lost her. Great scream too. You know, what's really unsettling was the scream and also the constant sound of the chainsaw. Because that's well, not a sound you normally there, hear. There was a lot of scream in that movie. Yeah, too, too much scream. I mean, you put that movie right now, HD with surround sound, and you probably will get a headache of all the screaming and all the things that's going on because there's a lot of screaming in the original movie. You know, I think that's what the director wanted it, you know, uh, making sure that, you know, nowadays the horror movies, you don't see that too many screams. You know, you see a lot of running. They trip. Yeah, yeah. Not like a they lot scream, of... They scream, help me, and that's it, and they just keep running, and um, somebody comes to their rescue or something happens, but uh, with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it was like, there was a lot of screaming, mm-hmm. a lot, yes. Yeah, it's like a little ear splitting, and, you know, but it's just like, for me, it was the chainsaw, it was just like, because you're not listening to chainsaw sounds in your normal daily life, and it was just grating on my nerves, and I was rather would listen to screaming because I watch horror movies all the time. I can deal with that. It's the chainsaw that's a problem. Yeah, of course. When you hear that chainsaw, you, you were like, "Oh, oh, something's gonna happen." See, it's it's kind of different from other movies like like Friday the Thirteenth and like Michael Myers, like you were talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Michael Myers, you're looking at the when 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 he's coming in with his uh, with his uh, knife, it's the song, the theme, the the the, the, mm. the scoreboard you know that that's that's what makes the movie you know you hear you hear that song going you know that he's coming you know just like you know just like jason jason same thing with that you know yeah yeah, you you know he's coming he's around yeah freddie's got a jump rope song yeah but and leatherface you know it's gonna be that chainsaw as soon as he yeah. turns on that chainsaw, you know he was going to do something, you know, and it was going to be nasty. Yeah. Um, before I forget, back to my other question before I lost my train of thought. Okay. Uh, when we were talking about 3D, I know we, <laughs> I know you don't want to talk about 3D and you don't want to think about it probably, but, you know, at the end of the movie, it's like Leatherface saves his cousin, even though he was going to just kill her the whole time until he sees that, that birthmark uh, that, you know, it's apparently like you inherit birthmarks. I guess it's like their own version of the Curse of Thorn. And I, could, I, I know Sergio is like cringing in the corner over there uh, from Halloween. Uh, but do you, because I mean, 
Leatherface saves the day and then he's just like hanging out and she's taking care of him and he's like her protector and I'm like does that mean she's gonna turn into a crazy redneck cannibal too and that's what I was my thought was too at the end of the movie and that's why I didn't like because I was like you know there is this girl that she's all all this thing is going on at the house everybody's getting killed and then suddenly well she's now part of the family and now she stays in the house and she's taking care of of uh, Leatherface Leatherface supposed to be you know a badass killer you know now well now he's all good and you know so I, I didn't I don't know I can not get into that one I cannot get into that movie the only thing that can lead to is like hilarious romantic comedies that's basically all you can do after that point with the continuity if that's what you're doing or she turns into one of them but I would just say like girls stop shaving because you ain't never gonna lay it again you can never bring a man home Ever. <laughs> just like, just be a shut-in. But, yeah. Any other thoughts on the original, though, that you would like to share with our listeners? Because, I mean, obviously it's something we would both recommend. Well, some some things that we talked about at the Film Fest with them, and it was amazing, was that um, none of them were... Oh, they were still receiving some, some kind of a compensation for that film but mm-hmm. it was very small oh, very yeah, yeah. little little conversation conversation for it um because the movie what they were explaining to me was when the movie premiered in new york it got controlled by the mafia in new york really so, yes the mafia in new york took over that movie i want to hear this story so they didn't get too much into it to me with me but they told me that part that yes the mafia controlled that movie that's crazy and um they didn't get you know compensated for you know how you get how you call that um royalties royalties, that's the word royalties from it you know i think one of them were getting royalties which was um jerry Mm -hmm. jerry was telling me but it was very very small he was this you can't even live with that but he said that movie was controlled with the mafia in new york and it just they took over it and um and that was it you know that was totally it I wanted to ask him more in detail about it, but I guess uh, it was kind of those uncomfortable kind of subject that they didn't want to touch. But uh, they were like, yeah, George, we it's not like you think that we got millions after the movie, which is huge success, because when it started, it all started like an independent. You know, it was the budget was very independent. (laughs) No kidding. And then it's like some, you know, then suddenly it took off, you know. Oh, yeah. We had that Cinderella story like Halloween did with that tiny-ass budget. Do you, you think the mafia put out a hit on Marilyn? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Poor mafia Mar- doesn't control cancer or anything. <laughs> Poor Marilyn. That's probably what happened. I'm sorry. This is what we do here. <laughs> We're awful people on this show. <laughs> Everybody else is laughing. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is a really cool story, though. No, it was. It was. When they, they were talking about it, you know, I was like, wow, amazed by what they were telling, you know, over there to the... Because when I bring the celebrities, I, I like to have a moment with, with the audience for them to talk about their their experience in the in the B industry and the movies. You know, that's why when I do this film fest, I bring all these celebrities or some of them, you know, they come in the front and they talk about their experience because you're always going to have in the audience filmmakers, actors, actress, you know, producers. So, you know, 
a little bit for everybody. Yeah, it's very cool. And you're doing it again this year, right? I'm doing it again this year from the 19th to the 21st of October um, at the Holiday Inn. 151. Okay. In San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio. Yes. In case we have any listeners from outside of the city, uh, come on down to San Antonio. We got plenty of places to stay. We're tourist friendly most of the time. We actually have cashiers that'll converse with you and not just like ring up your purchases and take your money. They'll have a conversation. We have the nicest hospitality. The the, the cool thing about the, the Film Fest is the awards there are basically the chainsaws from 1974, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh. They're custom made. So if you look at the chainsaws that we give to our filmmakers, those are winners. Um, they're very custom made. They have very detailed on that 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like the, 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 the chainsaw, you know, from 1974. It's very detailed. Like you can see every little detail on it. So we get a lot of filmmakers from around the world. Mm -hmm. that they want to come down, they want to grab one of these awards. That's awesome. And who's going to be uh, at the show as far as like guests that people can come see? Because I know uh, Patty Mullen is one. Patty Mullen from yeah. Franklin Hooker. Oh, uh, that's an amazing movie, guys. We are doing that at some point. Jill Sconley from, uh, from Popcorn. Mm -hmm. um, Judy Aaron from uh, Weird Science and Friday the 13th Final Chapter. Oh. And um, Tiffany. Tiffany Sheps from Sharknado and from <laughs> Night of the Demons. Oh, cool. Awesome. You know, for a second, I thought you meant Tiffany the singer. I was like, what was she in that I didn't see? That sounds cool. But yeah. as far as like uh, independent uh, movies that are going to be happening at this film festival, is there anything in particular that uh, we should keep our eyes open for? Well, there's a lot of cool independent filmmakers, um, uh, movies that, that filmmakers are bringing down. These are independents that they're trying to get distribution, you know, so we're going to have features, we're going to have shorts. Um, a lot of filmmakers are from around the world, uh, other states. Uh, we got some locals. Um, so that's pretty cool. And um and check them out. They're they're pretty pretty good uh, movies. Pretty uh, quality. I seen a lot of them already, and uh, I think it's gonna be a good lineup this year. Um, I think some people are gonna like some of the these films that they're gonna see at the film fest that you cannot see in a regular theater. Um, and the good thing about our film fest is that the years that we've been doing this film fest, um, we had the chance and the opportunity to get all these some of these films to get distribution. Like oh. last year. Sony picked up the three um, vampire movies that we had in our film fest. Sony picked them up. Um, before that, Lion Gate uh, picked up uh, Bikini on Ice. Um, back in the day, uh, like when we started, we have uh, Jason Daly, uh, Beware. It's still running in Showtime. Sometimes you see in Showtime Extreme. So all these movies that... I think uh, like nine or 10, they have been gone distribution with big companies, you know, and you see them on TV or you see them on, on um, movie on demand um, have come out out of my film fest. And that makes me very proud. That is awesome. For real. Are those uh, the ones that uh, we can see dis that have gotten distribution? Uh, are they listed on uh, your website or is it just kind of like you kind of have to look for them and see what's been going on with them? Yeah, you kind of have to look and see what's going on with them because once we we give them the distribution with those companies, you know, we try not mm -hmm. to keep nothing in our website that, oh, okay. you know, 
Gotcha. Because now it belongs to that company. But we do talk about it every year, you know, okay. to, to pump up all the filmmakers, let them know, hey, you know, these guys got distribution. You you might get distribution too. You know, you never know. You never know. So who, is, so who is at the Film Fest looking at one of the films? Uh, last year we had investors in our Film Fest and um, uh, this local girl from San Antonio, Maria Galindo, and she finally, you know, had a, 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 a producer that uh, invested on her. And I think that's pretty cool. Nice. You never know who's going to be in the audience. You, you don't, you never know. Uh-huh. There could be an actress. There was a year that we did it in another place uh, where we had actually a WWE wrestler showed up. Oh, and I used to train I, I, to be a wrestler. You know, it's cool. That's great because we have Funaki. <laughs> I trained with Funaki. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, Yes. Well, Funaki showed up in my film fast, and I was like, wait a minute. This guy is this guy's a wrestler. <laughs> so I was like, uh, are you Funaki? And he was like, yeah. And he says, well, I love horror films. And I said, oh, wow, pretty cool. So some people took pictures with him, and uh, he went wide away and see, saw a couple of movies, and then he left because he had another commitment. But you never know who's going to drop by in our film fest. And that things happen every year. Every year somebody else, somebody drops by or something good happens or there's somebody in the audience that wants to um, put money on a film. So it's a good thing for the filmmakers. Uh, some people get cast even at our film festival. Like they want to be actors and actresses, and they bring their own uh, uh, portfolio and they, they take that has an advantage to be able to, you know, um, cross promote or cross, you know, try to get their their oh, chance crazy. at least in a, starting in a B movie because that's what you want to do. You yeah, you yeah. want to start in a B movie, you know. That's that's the way how you start. Yeah, I'm super excited for this now. I cannot wait. And yeah, again, uh, the it's going to be the 21st. It's, it's going to be the, 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 the 19th to the 21st 20, of October, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yes. That is correct. Awesome. That is great. And I know that uh, you're on Facebook for the San Antonio Horrific For Horror Festival. Uh, film Fest. I'm sorry. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Perfect Film Fest. I know you guys are on Facebook. Do you have an official website too? Yes, we do. It's uh, www.horrificfilmfest.com. Cool. Anything else yeah. on social media that we can follow you at or... Uh, we are Instagram and uh, we are also in Twitter and I'm going to start stalking you immediately and I think that's it no. okay so yes just follow us and uh, like us and check what we're doing and um, you know I think we're doing something good for San Antonio you know we we have the filming part of the fest and um, and there's some other cool stuff going on in San Antonio too so you know that's great thank you so much for you know everything that you guys are doing for the community and getting more horror films out there especially from you know independent filmmakers because we need those voices we need more original thoughts out there and that's so exciting and good for Maria Galindo uh, more representation more women in horror that's also what we need to but you know I'm a little biased uh, you know, but is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up for this episode? I just want to thank you guys for having me. And, um, I think I was great. I mean, I hope you, I had a good time. So oh, we had a blast. And, uh, you know. I hope to see you guys at the film fest. You know, you're more than welcome there. And, um, um I'll be stalking all the social medias too. And, uh, you know, also, like you guys probably don't know, a little listeners out there, our, our friend of the show, Sergio, one of our thoughts, <laughs> 
not thoughts, but thoughts, friend of the show, Sergio from our Halloween episode, which has at this point has yet to actually be released on Stitcher and iTunes due to some audio issues, but he's the one that actually uh, brought George to the show and introduced him. So thank you, Sergio. It's always nice to see you here, sir. I didn't say you could talk. Hey guys, we're just taking a quick break in this episode, basically to kind of fill in as a little supplemental of stuff that I thought about after we finished recording uh, Texas Chainsaw. And that was the use of uh, disability in horror films. And I think it's not really all that talked about. It's definitely visible, but I don't see a lot of, say, articles on it uh, online for the most part. And one of the things that kind of got me thinking about this was uh, Franklin, who is one of our main characters, and he's in a wheelchair. And it's, uh, he seems to maybe have some developmental disability because he seems a bit slower than everyone else. However, he has the best survival instinct, but go figure. So I was thinking about that and Horror, disability in horror films is, is not unheard of. We're only, I'm only going to talk about really physical disabilities in this because if we were talking about mental mental disability or emotional disability, we'd be here all day. So a couple of things that I was thinking of is kind of the difference of uh, representation versus uh, exploitation. Uh, I would definitely say, you know, we didn't really exploit Franklin's disability in this. He was a fully formed character, and that's kind of what separates it. I would say, you know, as far as exploitation goes, it's more so something where we're not exploring the character themselves. This is just kind of uh, dead meat that also has some sort of disability that they have to deal with. They don't really get, say, character arcs. They're more just there as, as fodder. A uh, couple of good examples of more the the uh, the more represent uh, like representation as far as disability goes would be uh, like Hush, where our protagonist is deaf, and then even on even on the villain side, we had um, a movie don't uh, don't breathe. I hope that's the right one that I'm thinking of, where our villain is blind, and then those douchebags decide to rob the blind dude's house, and I feel like they got what they you know had coming to them, but you know whatever. It's like, don't rob blind people. That's not cool. And those are fine. I mean, you know, th- th- those are actually fully formed characters. But then on, on as far as the exploitation side goes, we've got things like, uh, I don't even remember the dude's name, but in Friday the 13th, part three, the guy in the wheelchair, he has one of the most epic deaths in that I've ever seen in horror films. He gets an arrow shot through his eye, but that's not enough. Then he has to fall down the stairs in that wheelchair with the arrow stuck in his eye. <laughs> that's, that's, it's funny, it's fucked up though. And then we've also got, uh, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street series is, is also bad about this too. For example, you know, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, Carlos and his hearing aid, when his kill was all about the hearing aid. And it's a great scene, and it makes me laugh every time, but, you know, we're not really, you know, we are, to an extent, we do get to see Carlos as a, as a, as a person, as a character. We see kind of maybe how he went deaf, maybe he was abused by his mother. Not by a giant Q-tip, but in other ways, and maybe that's what caused him to lose his hearing. Never fully explored, slightly exploitative, but you know, it's like you—you know—the kill was just—it was the kill was all about that. 
And uh, on the fence, I have to go with Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, even though I love the movie. You know, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's the horror equivalent to the old Burger King Kids Club, if y'all remember that. And if you do, then you are all super old. Because we've got a group of kids that's basically all diverse, you know, but not for any real reason. It's just because it was the 80s. We wanted to show more diversity in media. And, you know, so we've got a collection of kids in this institution. And I'm still trying to figure out why exactly everybody was there, because a lot of that didn't make sense. You know, Will's in a wheelchair. And apparently he ended up in that wheelchair because he maybe he was in a Freddy nightmare. He jumped and he ended up losing the, the use of his legs. I, okay, fine. And then uh, later on, he's killed by... Well, he's not killed by a wheelchair, but he's attacked by a wheelchair in his in his final fight with Freddy, you know? And again, we're kind of centering the deaths around that disability. So, eh, on the fence. I, I'm, I'm saying on the fence, you know. Um, but yeah, and then we've got Joey, who's a mute. We use tongues to tie him up at some point. And then uh, we've also got Taryn, who's, you know, uh, she's got her issues with heroin. And, you know, that's used against her in her death. Although, wouldn't say it's a disability. And trying to be as, I'm trying to be as delicate as possible with this, since I personally do not have any physical disabilities. Emotional, yes. We'll get to that on another day, though. And um, Kincaid is just a, the angry black man trope, which is hella offensive uh, although I will say after seeing it is seeing a nightmare three in a theater recently Kincaid definitely has all the best lines every line that he said the, the crowd lost its mind and I was right there with him and I, I didn't even realize this upon numerous viewings of this movie and it was uh, something that you can't really get unless it's a crowd experience um, you know Jennifer is got some self-injury issues so again that's kind of you know with the cigarettes and that's kind of teetering on the whole emotional disability thing but i don't again i'm not really sure why most of these kids are here just they can't sleep just they have nightmares uh and then we also have philip who's the sleepwalker again not really a physical disability but i wanted to kind of bring that up just because it, you know it seemed like uh those kids were only there so you know we could have their own um so we could have their own characteristics i'm, I'm saying character way too much i know just bear with me guys it's been a long week it seems like those kids are not really there to have story arcs. They're there to kind of just, this is who this person is, and that's how we're going to use, that's how we're going to exploit this this thing about them, this problem that they have in their death. And it's a little gross. Uh, but I do kind of want to circle back around to positive representation of disability in horror films, which recently I would say has to be uh, Curse and Cult of Chucky. In Curse of Chucky, our heroine is in a wheelchair, and she, you know, she survives the movie. She beats Chucky, and that I was, you know, it was it was great. I thought seeing Fiona Dorif do that was awesome. I mean, Nika's is a great character, and she definitely has a complete story. I thought it was a you know a pretty interesting move for the writers to go that route because we don't have it doesn't seem like we have really any disabled uh characters that either that survive one horror film let alone two 
Although, if you saw Cult of Chucky, she's up and walking around because, I mean, Chucky took her body. So, you know, but she's still in a wheelchair for most of it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if Nika is actually going to be able to get out of that situation or reclaim her body at some point. Uh, If so, I wonder if they'll make the decision to continue to allow her to walk or maybe put her back in the wheelchair. So uh, I will see on that. Uh, But yeah, no, I just wanted to kind of like throw this in because it was something that I've thought a lot about. And I'd love it if anybody that has their own thoughts on this would write in, especially if you do have a physical disability, because, you know, that's a point of view that we need to be that needs to be heard. So uh, you can all, you know, you'll hear the contact information at the end of the show. But yeah, think about dropping us a line. okay? and now back to the program. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you know as always you guys can uh, drop us a line at sheepygeebies at outlook.com we're also on Facebook we're on Twitter we're on Instagram just search for us and please go listen we are on Stitcher iTunes podcast.com please leave us a review we finally got one review on iTunes but it's not really enough to you know to get us rated but it was five stars and I'll take it but until next week you guys stay creepy out there <laughs> <laughs>